Blog Talk Radio. Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each month, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solution in education and in leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, I am delighted to um, host someone today who is an extraordinary leader, uh, once a homeless teenage mother. She's now living her dream as an elementary school principal uh, in Camden, New Jersey. Um, And I'm pleased to introduce to some of you and and kind of present to others, uh, Ms. Fatia Adur Rahman. Welcome, Fatia. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show. Well, we're super, super excited to have you. Uh, to the <laughs> listeners, um, I know uh, you've probably read a little bit about what we said about Fatia, but she, I think if you've read and seen any of the work that she's done online, you know that she is an extraordinary, passionate leader in her community. She's dedicated uh, to the the work of, of academic excellence um, for a lot of communities. Yeah that people forget about. Um, she, she really recognizes the ways in which society challenges um, our urban communities and, and just decided that she was going to make that her life's work. And so I am so honored that she agreed to come and talk with me today. And, and so uh, because we only have 30 minutes, I know people are saying like, okay, let her talk. Don't stop talking. Um, I just uh, I do want to uh, thank our uh, faithful listeners for coming back week after week and being a part of our family of thousands of listeners. And if you're new, welcome. Uh, we're glad you've joined us. And so, Fatia, um, I I have so much I want to ask you about, but I I, I yeah. guess let's go let's go back a little bit. And before okay. we start talking about the work that you're doing now, um, tell us a little bit about. Um, your situation um, that everyone you know, have seen so many pieces about uh, you being previously a homeless teenage mother um, was that in Camden yeah. or otherwise? Uh, tell us a little bit about kind of from that point um, and and the challenges you faced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Um, I tell everybody my my story is 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 unique to me, but it's it's like so many. Um, teenage moms that found themselves, you know, fighting. Um, I found myself fighting for uh, just trying to survive at, at one point. I was a teenage mom in high school. I was my, my last year in high school and made some very, very poor decisions. I don't regret my daughter, but, you know, I, I made some poor decisions in my life, and it, it, I found myself uh, a young mom, very, very early, but a determined mom. And even in my determination, 
it felt like I was faced with so many roadblocks. And mm. after my second child, my my I had a one year old and a three year old at the time, and resources were limited. You know, we were faced with uh, without having electricity. We didn't have enough food. You know, the disparity was real, and. I remember going home one day and seeing a sign, an eviction notice on my my door and not knowing, like, what would be my next step. But, you know, I thought, you know, I'll go to my, at that time I had a case manager, I would go to her, and it seemed like she wasn't helping me at all. I, in fact, mm-hmm. I remember that day as if she looked at me, it's like she was looking through me, and she shook her head and said, those poor little girls, and uh, that was the moment I, I felt like, you know what, my my girls could do so much better without me. Um, mm. And I remember going home and thinking, you know, this is it. This is it. And so I, I attempted suicide many a times uh, before that, but this time I felt like this was it. It was going to be this moment, and I remember, you know, sitting on the bathroom floor crying and I had my one-year-old in my one hand and my three-year-old in the other and my three-year-old asked me and I tell her you know her daughter my name my daughter's a charity in Sarana and um charity asked me said mommy why are you crying and I just told her you know I'm broken I'm broken and I'm I'm lonely and she shook her head and she said mommy you're not broken you have Mm. me you have Sarana and you have God and that was mm. the day that I decided, you know, I had to get up. I had to get up. I was going to turn this these wounds that I'm feeling right now into wisdom. And wow. the way that I knew how to get out of my situation um, was through education. A lot of people said, well, why didn't you just go home? Why didn't you, you know, home, if, if you don't understand, like situations are always different. My mother suffered from schizophrenia, so home was going back to a house where my mom was in a mental hospital, so there was no mother there. And my father, you know, not knowing how to deal with um, grief, he was in and out of the home, and it was a very abusive home. I don't fault my family. I don't fault my, my parents because, you know, when you're going through trauma, when you're going through things like that, there's a, a continuous cycle and our family, like many, many families that were broken, we go through this cycle until somebody says, you know, enough, it is enough. And yes. for me, that moment on that ground, um, listening to my daughter saying, you got God, you got me, you got, you know, my, my other daughter, that was the moment I said, you know, I have to break this cycle. I have to get up. I have to fight. Mm-hmm. I'm worth fighting for. They're worth fighting for. That's powerful. Very, yeah, that's very amazing. powerful. Yeah. Yes, and and so um, so after that, you you graduated from high school. What happened next? So I tried to balance going to college, community college, and being a mommy, and it wasn't easy. Um, I mm-hmm. actually was doing so not that I wasn't smart I was just doing poorly trying to balance them all Um, and so I had a very very low GPA and I kind of stopped school Um, but yet I was determined I was determined that you know this was just a temporary setback and Mm -hmm. I I got a whiff 
of uh, a historically black college is called Oakwood University is in Hutchville, Alabama. And Absolutely. It was a recruiter. Uh, yeah, it was a recruiter. Um, there in I was at uh, a, a religious kind of place, and the recruiter was sharing about um, Oakwood, and I didn't know anything about Oakwood. Never heard of Oakwood in my life, but I just had this strong sense that that's where I needed to go. I needed I to go there, and not that I needed to go by myself. I was going to take my girls. And mm-hmm. so in 2001, I, I packed up everything, and I took a leap of faith, and I got in my broke-up car, and I <laughs> drove to Alabama, and mm-hmm. it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I wish I can say that it was easy. It was not. Like I said, I did start school before going to Oakwood, um, so I was going to Oakwood under academic probation, I and see. I gave myself one one year. I said, I, I'll, I'll give myself one year, and it was, again, it was so hard because I knew no one. I knew no uh-huh. one in, in Huntsville, um, but I knew I had this, again, a de- determination. I was determined that I was going to break the cycle, that I was going uh-huh. to um, do better for my daughters, and so... You know, my kids are sitting outside all of my classrooms because my classes because I didn't have, uh, you know, a babysitter, didn't know anybody to babysit. Um, And so I remember my first year struggling a a lot with my writing, um, but Mm -hmm. had so many people that just poured into me. They poured into me, and, you know, one year went down. I I was getting on the dean's list, and the next year, you know, I I was doing much better than how I started, and, you know, I found my voice. I found my mm-hmm. voice on campus. It was the first time I've ever been to a historically black college. It was the first time I've ever experienced that. Mm-hmm. And um, what I love about Oakwood, Oakwood is a uh, is a Christian college. So yes. not only is it yes. historically black, but it's a Christian college. And so every class I'm opening up with prayer, and that was big because mm-hmm. you know, I I was finding religion at that time, mm-hmm. and you know just to be grounded in prayer, being grounded in um, seeing faces that looked like me in leadership roles, experiencing teachers that looked like me for the first time um, was very empowering, and I found mm-hmm. my voice, and I found that I am a leader. And so I became, um, I, I, I was a, I led on our education department. I, I went to school for elementary education. And I tell everybody I started on academic probation, but I, I graduated cum laude. So, you know, it, oh, definitely, it built me. It, it built me. And, and one of the, the model of Oakwood is you enter to learn, but you mm-hmm. depart to serve. And mm-hmm. I took that to heart. You know, I, sure. I took that to heart. Um, I, I had a job at in Huntsville. Um, I was a sixth grade science teacher for a half a year. But something said, you got to go back. You got to go back. And going back to was going back to Camden. And um, you had to, like, you, it was, I call it like that, that uh, Harriet Tubman moment. You have mm-hmm. to go back and mm-hmm. save others. And yeah. so um, I did that. I, I went back to Camden, and I got my first full-time job, a full year, 
as a fourth grade fourth grade math and science teacher and that year you know somebody saw something in me I didn't see in myself I was uh, nominated my first full year of teaching as a teacher of the year because I, I just believe that our kids deserve excellence um, and if excellence right. meant that I had to do a 100 I was going to do 100 and so you know right. after graduating I, I, I went to go serve the city that that really start started me off in education. I, before going to college, I was an as, assistant teacher for Head Start. So ah, okay. that was like my motivation. It was mm-hmm. my motivation to go back and and serve those the underserved. Sure. So so oh, I mean, I'm I'm just I have so many questions for you. You know, I I think yeah. um, this your know, your story is so powerful. Um, and and what you've shared so far already, I think, you know, you agreeing to uh, come on and talk to us today is that I really feel that there, there's somebody listening that needed to hear you today. I, and, and whenever they listen, I just have a feeling because of some of the things that you've shared already. And I, I, I think, you know, just sitting here imagining everything you're telling me and how yeah. um and how you you persevered and went through uh but that that there was there was more for you and so i want to go back for a moment because this it really did you know this okay. is one of those uh stories that could be um on on abc or or one of these uh you know <laughs> uh short 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 series um but so yeah. i want to go back to the day you described that you were sitting sitting on the floor and your daughter told you that yeah. you were not broken. Do you feel that that was the Amen. pivot day? Was that the pivot day for you? Did you, did you say this is it? Yeah. There's, there's something more at that point? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to try my best to walk through this and, and not cry, but, um, yeah. and because I, I, I see it. I, 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 every time I tell the story, I, I live that day um, mm. because I really, it, it to me it was going to be my last day it was uh, going to be my last day i had mm-hmm. i did not see um i didn't see tomorrow i i mm-hmm. just knew that this was going to be it um mm-hmm. and i remember sitting on the floor crying because i i i didn't want to leave them i didn't want to leave mm-hmm. my daughters but i just mm-hmm. knew that they could do so much better without me um that's how broken I was. And, mm-hmm. and when you think about trauma, I, you know, I, I now know learning, you know, as an educator, you know, learning more about trauma and, and what that does to you, you know, growing up in an unstable home, you know, mm-hmm. growing up mm-hmm. when you see your mom being physically abused, growing up, um, you know, bullies, that that was real because I, I grew up a Muslim and I was teased for wearing my scarf, and I remember not wanting to do that. So I would do self-harm to myself because I didn't want to be different than everyone else. Right, um, but right. not knowing all of those things were, were just traumatic, um, and I did not know how to, to express my trauma or to express what I was going through. And so that moment on the ground was so crucial because it, it, it wasn't that, you know, somebody else was saying you can do it. It was my own child, uh-huh. <laughs> my child uh-huh. saying, mom, 
you're not you're not broken. Um, and I remember just uh, looking up and saying, I, I got to get up. I got to mm. get up. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I had to get up because I, I had two girls that believed so much in me that I had to believe in myself now. Yes, um, yes. Yes. You know, and it, 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 it came with, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I got myself together. You know, I definitely had to get counseling. I had to uh, mm. go through counseling through that, that mm-hmm. period. And that was one of the questions. That yeah. was absolutely one of the questions I was yeah. going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> and that's such a taboo because a lot of, you know, c- coming from a, a black family and coming from, you know, just an African-American community, we 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 can pray it away. We can do different things, but I, I am a very I'm an advocate for um, the, the counseling. I'm an advocate for getting the help that you need. Um, you know, I I just saw so much trauma that I I did not see a future for myself. I didn't believe that I could see past. You know what was here and now and one of the things that I, I when I was growing up I was very into sports into sports so uh, we were always taught as a runner to get on our mark um, and to, when you hear that get set you set your eyes on the finish line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the problem is as I'm, I'm trying to set my eyes on the finish line, it's hard when you go through so much. You don't see a finish line. Mm-hmm. You just see what's in front of you. You see the problems. You see the issues. And so you don't, a lot of times, you know, many of our children, they give up because they don't see the future. They can't see the future. They, they just can't. see what's right. here and now. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, that's why I, I I do what I do because I remember being that girl. I remember right. being that, that young lady that could not see past what was happening in her life right now, and all she knew was to give up. You know, somebody else might, their they're giving up might be to join a gang, or their mm-hmm. giving up might be to to use drugs or alcohol or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but you know, my story, like I said, you know, we all have a unique story. My story is one where, you know what, you don't have to give up. There's another way because if I can do it, you can do it too. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why I serve. That is why I serve. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. And for those of you who may have just joined or joined us a little late, um, I am sitting here having a conversation with uh, Fatia Abdul-Rahman, who is um, a uh, elementary school principal uh, in Camden, New Jersey, and we're just kind of going through her story and a wonderful story it is. Uh, if uh, there's anyone out there that uh, might want to call in and you have a question or a comment, feel free to dial 657-383-1481. Again, 657-383-1481, and we'll try uh, to get to you. And so you, you've, you've talked a, a lot about, um, you know, those, something that seems like a theme to me that keeps coming back up around um, how you 
had this idea to serve. I know you mentioned Oakwood had yeah. as their yeah. their motto, um, and I'm very familiar with Oakwood. I actually grew up, oh, born and you? raised. Wow. Uh, yeah, born and raised in Alabama, about 45 minutes from Oakwood College. To be honest with you, so wow. I I know it. That's I shocking. know it well. Yeah, yeah. So I I grew up there and. Um, so I'm very familiar with Oakwood College, and I chose a different uh, HBCU, but um, um, okay. in in the state of Louisiana. But um, what I was going to uh, ask is, you know, so you you've gone you you, you talked about um, how important counseling was for you, and yes. just hearing yes. hearing the voice of your own daughter tell you you're not broken, um, and then I, at what point? did you say when you said, I got it, I have to get myself together. I don't know how I'm going to move forward. At, at what point did you feel like there was a call on your life? Did you see it? Did you feel it? What, what did something happen? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I tell, I tell everyone, um, it, it, it's, I don't want anybody to think it's like that divine voice from heaven, go and, you know, do this. But I remember um, while I was at Oakwood, it was my last year at Oakwood, and I'm walking the track. I'm walking the track. I'm, I'm an avid walker. I love walking and running. So I'm walking the track, and um, I, I wanted it. I wanted to find purpose. You know, I knew that I was going to school. I knew I was good at, at teaching. I knew I wanted to be an educator, but it felt like I still wanted to find purpose. And I remember um, walking the track and going, like, what is my purpose? Like, I, I know it's is not just to be a teacher, but what is truly my purpose. And it was as if I, it was clear as day of what I was called to do, and it was simply three words, train up a child, four words, train up mm-hmm. a child. Um, mm-hmm. And at that time I thought that it meant just my children, and so I'm like, okay, great, I can do that. I can train up my children. Um, but I now know that it to, to mean that it's to train up children, um, the, any child that I've been blessed to to come in my pathway, you know, I don't look at it as I'm just teaching them their A's and their B's and their C's and one, two, threes. I, I do believe that this training is to train them up for greatness, train them up for their purpose so that they can continue the race, so that they can see the end um, or the next stop, because it might not be an end. It might just be the next stop. And so I take that, you know, every opportunity when I was a teacher, I looked at it as a life lesson. And I remember my students like, man, Miss Rachman, you could be a preacher. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember, like, turning those, those, those that, you know, I might be teaching science, but applying it to life. I might be teaching math, but, you know, applying it, there, there was always a teachable moment. And mm-hmm. so when I, I think about training up children, I'm training up leaders. I'm training up those that are going to take this baton and, and continue the race. I take my calling seriously to train up children. And mm. so, you know, I, 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 then, you know, because I'm, I take my calling so serious, it's like, okay, how do I get better at it? How do I be the change that I want them to be? If I'm saying education, then that means I have to live it. I have to breathe it. And so, you know, going to school was like I had – I started loving learning, if that makes sense. I went to – I got my MPA 
um, in in elementary education, not elementary, in um, elementary leadership. And I said, I love that. I went to Rutgers to get my MPA, and I'm like, I started loving learning and mm-hmm. went again to um, get another master's in education at Walden University and, again, started loving learning because it, it was all rooted in training up children. I had mm-hmm. to train them up. So in order for me to train them up, I had to be the best in what I was doing. And so as I go kept going up, I got a, an, an EDS and um, curriculum instruction. So I kept building myself up so that I can train up um, that next generation because it's all about your purpose. And if, mm-hmm. if my purpose is to train up children, I can't train them up if I don't know how to train them. Like I, right, my goal right. is I'm, I'm – Tell everybody I am in a competition. I'm my the competition is to be the best, not because I'm competing against another educator or another leader or another principal. It's because my children deserve the best. Um, yes, they deserve, absolutely. and I always told them that you know you, you can think of the best district, you can think of the best school, the best you can beat them. Um, not because you're they're better than you or you're better than them. It's because you've earned it. And if you keep pushing yourself, um, you can be the best in anything that you put yourself in. And so training up the ch- your a child meant training myself to be the best. Mm, um, so I, you know, I, it, it was really, truly that, that moment of, I tell it, it was that aha moment that I'm like, okay, this is my purpose. I got this. I can do this. Mm-hmm, and, sure. you know, I've, I've been... I've I've been doing that since since that day. I just my my calling is to train up children, and oh, you excellent. know wherever setting I'm in, I'm going to train them up in the best way I know how. That's excellent, and I I uh, you know I I interrupted you earlier. You were you were on the pathway of talking about how you started out in Camden, uh, and for you know I've had some. Uh, information about Camden. I remember years ago, and I know that um, uh, Camden has been a school district uh, that has had its share of of struggles, like a lot of urban school districts. Um, And and so you were saying that um, you had been a, uh, uh, I guess, an assistant teacher at one point. Um, Tell me a little bit about like your, your pathway. Um, that, that got you to uh, the point of being a, a principal? I, I think that's what makes me humble because I've been through so many different um, uh, avenues. So I started off in education. Actually, I started working at a, a children's museum and loved it. I love working in a children's museum. I was still a, I was a teenager at the time, a, a mom, of course, and um that was my introduction to to education and to science. And so working at a children's museum, I was putting on workshops and doing different things like that. And I remember the owner of the museum said that, you know, you should be a teacher. You should go into education. And so it was one of those things like, oh, maybe I should. And so that's why I decided to try it in community college. And then mm-hmm. from there, I became an assistant teacher at Head Start, and I remember being so frustrated because, I, you know, I was 
making butter with the kids. It was a preschool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm making butter with kids. I'm doing all these fun things. And um, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm really good. I'm really good mm-hmm. at what I'm doing. And I was frustrated because the head teacher wasn't doing anything. And I'm like, you know what, Fatia? She got her degree. That's why she can live the life. You got to get your degree. And <laughs> right. so that prompted me to go and get um, my degree. And then after going to become the, uh, after going to, you know, college, I became a fourth grade teacher. I was a fourth grade teacher of science and math. Again, I love science and math. It's, it's a, area that many of our African-American children don't go into. And so, you know, I always look at the foundation years. If we can build the foundation, it'll prompt them to want to at least attempt to go into science and to attempt to, to go into STEAM area. Um, so I was a fourth grade teacher for not too long before somebody said, you know what, why aren't you a leader? And I'm like, what do you mean? I just I just graduated. So my second year, literally my second year of teaching, um, I was getting teachers of the year every year. Like wow. people were just, you know, my the, my <laughs> colleagues were, uh, sure. and, and I say this humbly, not to brag, but I was getting no. teacher of the year. And so I remember a leader coming and she said, well, you know, we want you to do this and this and this and this. And I'm like, does she know I only have a bachelor degree? <laughs> and once they found that out, um, the, the school district that I was in, they were offering teachers to get their master's degree and to eventually go into um, leadership. And so I was one of those teachers that they picked. But once they found out I was only teaching for two years, they kicked me out of the program. Oh, but the no. blessing of it all was that yeah, it was a blessing, though. The blessing of it all, although the, I wasn't able to go through the district, meaning the district would pay my, my way, I still got accepted to Rutgers, and so I, I was able to finish up the program. And like I said, I was um, I got my master's, and after I got my master's, I, I, I worked under in, in different leadership roles, like as a grade team lead and different things like mm-hmm. that. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until um, I applied for, like, a teacher leader um, the person looked at me like, you are not, you know, we're going to consider you for the assistant principal role. Mm-hmm. And so I tell everybody, every movement that I made, it wasn't one because I'm like, oh, I want to do that. It was one because someone said, no, you're, you you can do much better. Like, you, mm-hmm. I, I need you to do that. And so I became an assistant principal in, the, uh, in a, a charter school. It was the third lowest performing school district, uh, school, actually not school district, school in the state of New Jersey. And we were wow. able to turn that school um, around in three years uh, because, you know, I served as the assistant principal of um, instruction for, which is not heard of as an African-American, but I, I was primarily instruction. Um, and the reason why I say it's not heard of because the majority of the African-American people that served in this particular charter school was either serving for discipline or something like that. But I was serving uh, with instruction. And I then had this itch like, okay, it's time to move forward. Uh, I applied to be, again, an assistant principal. And the person said, you know what, we're going to consider you as a principal. And um I, that's how I got my principal role here at at Forest Hill Elementary School. And I tell everybody, it was one that, you know, it, it when you're called, you're called. This this is mm-hmm. truly my calling. 
I'm mm-hmm. called to do this, and I I do it with a humble heart. I don't look at it as a job. I look at it as my calling, and I look at it as you know why I serve. I serve that to underserve, and I love I love serving the ones that you know. When I see my 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 children and I see my parents, they go, well, you know, I I got this issue, I got that issue, and I'm like, girl, I've been through that too. Let me tell you how you can get out of it. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's relatable. Awesome. Awesome. Parents. Parents can relate to me. So, um, you know, I think that for everything that I went through, you know, it was for a purpose. Every mm-hmm. every opportunity, I always tell everyone to seize your noun, um, mm-hmm. no opportunity wasted. Mm-hmm. And so every opportunity that I've had, I don't think it was wasted. It was so that I can do what I'm doing now, and I'm not done. The beautiful thing is mm-hmm. my story's not over. My story mm-hmm. is just beginning, and yeah. who knows, assistant, superintendent, superintendent next, who knows what the future holds. But, right. again, it's all about training our children. And if that means I have to go a little bit further to do my, my to fulfill my calling, I will do that. That's awesome. And I, I, I just want to commend you um, for, for everything that you are doing. I know that you have uh, so much that you're doing in the community uh, that, that a lot of people don't know about just in terms of how this plays a role in, in advocating for social justice, but your belief in your yeah. children, yeah. make a, it makes a world of difference to have a genuine yeah. belief in them uh, to go back to the place where you know you you were educated and 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 you know the system you know what needs to be um, put in place to fill these various gaps and so again I can't say enough uh, I know people thank you all the time but I also um, families that I haven't met I I thank you also on behalf of those families and and just wish you the best the best of success um, because I I do believe there is there's a lot out there and um, a lot that you've been doing and it's just it is it is certainly your story is worthy of as I said in the beginning your own um, uh, series evening series on abc news <laughs> you know just it's it's absolutely uh, uh amazing and so thank you and 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 also thank you for sharing with me i um the next you. time i'm in the in the camden area i am definitely going to drop by your elementary school yes. i would love to see um the things that you're doing and i have i've had colleagues and friends really close friends that have have worked in in uh camden so um i i really want to see uh the work that you're doing there um and so uh to listeners, yes thank you and so to the listeners um we have also next week want you to listen in um if you have a uh, a chance next week um we have some guests that are coming in that have a truancy intervention program and they're going to talk to us about approaches to um, increased attendance and school success. That's actually next Wednesday, same time um, on April 14th at uh, for kind of a, a noontime uh, broadcast. And I just also want to um, start now telling everyone that, um, you know, this uh, podcast has been uh, underway since 2012. And so it started out 
as a um, as a monthly podcast, and now we've been doing shows weekly recently. And I um, I want um, everyone to know that we are doing our hundredth broadcast um, start on on April the twenty eighth, and it's going to be at six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I have a very very special guest, and it is um, uh, former mayor of New Orleans, uh, Mitch Landrew. Um, he has a book called In the Shadow of Statues, A White Southerner Confronts History. And so he's going to be on the show um, on April 28th. And as I said, next week, April 14th, we have uh, some guests that are going to talk about truancy intervention. Um, so, Fatia, thank you again so much uh, for being on the show. Um, really want to thank you, and um, and and hopefully we'll hear um, more about your success. Um, so, Thanks. until until we have an opportunity to meet in person, and uh, just wishing you the best to everyone. Also, go well, stay well. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye.